source for performance information. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Check out Crush Performance. Uh, We're going to be building and adding to all of those platforms here as we head into 2020, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So uh, do join us on any one or all of those platforms for sure. Well, today, a really big show. I'm really excited about this. We're going to have a little bit of fun. There's so much going on, of course. Pitchers and catchers are right around the corner. We're coming off an incredible Super Bowl weekend. We just had a great conversation last week with Ricky Ying, the performance nutrition director of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, We had a bunch of great questions coming in from that show we'll address later on. And this weekend, I'm going to be out in Vancouver doing some presenting. One for the Mission Sport Council and another for the uh, BC Minor Baseball. And they have a fantastic lineup of speakers. It's their annual coaching convention. Um, And I've been there the last few years. It's a great event. I would go just as a baseball coach and fan, just to hear some of these speakers. But if you're a coach in that area, uh, this is a must-attend event. It's fantastic. And the Mission Sport Council, I have to thank those guys for having me out. A bunch of sporting people getting together to talk shop. And I've got uh, some really great topics we're going to be hammering down right out of the Crush Performance Radio warehouse, by the way. Uh, We're going to be talking about specialization, the downfall of specialization, raising potential. The long game of maximizing sport performance. And we're going to talk about this today because I've had a couple of people reach out to me from that area. Some people from Mission who have reached out to apologize that they can't attend. Uh, there's going to be several hundred people there. So that's going to be a fun one. But um, I've actually had some people reach out already saying, saying they can't get there uh, for the conversation and the little presentation we're going to do. Um, so we're going to talk about it today. I told them we would uh, we would explore it and lay it out on the show today, so they're not going to miss that much, and I think that'll be a ton of fun. And then for the BC Minor Baseball Coaching Convention, I'm going to be talking about athlete development for player performance. And listen, this is going to be a really important conversation. We're going to talk about some of the foundation work that we're really, really missing in sport, but certainly in baseball. And baseball is unique. I've spent a lot of time, as everybody who listens to the show knows, in the game of baseball. But also, the time we've spent in professional hockey, professional football, at the collegiate level, working with our Olympic athletes, there are fundamentals that have to be addressed across the board. Because uh, to specialize early and think that you're going to uh, become a professional baseball player or even pursue a college scholarship at the age of 8, 9, and 10 is incredibly risky business and you're just limiting your options. So we're talking about creating great athletes, participating and exploring as many sports as possible, 
until you get 13, 14, and 15, and then you could specialize. And the presentation for BC Minor Baseball is going to revolve around um, developing great athletes so you can have more coachable players. Every single coach out there right now is limited in what they can do with their players, is limited in how much they can help their players become better at their games, their sports, no matter what it is, but you're limited by their athletic abilities and their um, readiness for the level of the game you're trying to prepare them for. And so if we can give those coaches better, more capable, well-rounded athletes, you're going to be able to coach your players to a higher level. And that principle exists at every single level of sport right up to the professionals. What are we doing in the pro game? Well, number one, we're trying to keep these guys healthy so they can contribute to the team, but we're still looking for ways to make them better. And I think I'll comfortably say that more times than not, that increase in performance is going to come away from the game. Preparing, recovering, becoming more athletic, doing something that allows you to compete at a higher level, even though you're competing amongst the best. So that's going to be the conversation out in uh, BC, in Vancouver this weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to talk more about that in depth as the show goes along, but there's so much going on right now, and we have to start with baseball. Pitchers and catchers are right around the corner. It's an interesting thing. Speaking of player health, so I'm not sure if you follow this, but this is how fragile Things can be at the professional levels of sports. The Yankees are really, really lining themselves out to have a, a terrific run this year. And they've done a, a bunch of very interesting things this offseason. And one of those is a total restructuring of their strength and conditioning and athlete performance program. They have Eric Cressy on board. They hired Donovan Santez from the Toronto Blue Jays to oversee the player performance and health programs. That's going to be fun to watch. We're going to talk to those guys as we get closer to the season, but um, this is going to be an interesting transition for the Yankees because they didn't have a bad year last year. They just weren't healthy. They weren't healthy in critical ways. And to give you an idea of how fragile this is, uh, James Paxton just underwent microscopic lumbar disectomy. And they had a periodiscal cyst that they removed, which is not a major, major surgery, but it's enough to keep him out of the season for three to four months. And you know, these back injuries are unavoidable. Sometimes it's overused just over time. But that being said, having Paxton out of the Yankees lineup totally changes their approach here early in the season. And to have a back injury take you out of the game, how frustrating is that? Well, I tell you what, I know about this frustration. So for the first time in my life, I've actually had some ongoing lingering low back pain. Now, whether it's wiping out on my mountain bike or, you know, skiing, whatever, I'm not sure how it happened, but my low back for the first time in my life is sore and I kind of keep care of myself, you know, I kind of, you know, but hey, when you can't, when you can't, man, I'm telling you what, you start gaining weight. Uh, You can't do the things you love. It's frustrating as all get up. You know, it's those things that you would never think could happen, happen. And we're seeing a lot of those. So to see James Paxson, it's going to be interesting to watch the Yankees. And uh, again, leading up to the Major League Baseball season, we'll be running down the crush list of teams and players to watch and storylines as well this season. And the Yankees are going to be on that list. They usually are just because, you know, they're the Yankees. 
But I can tell you, we're going to be watching for a couple of very specific reasons. This injury is going to be one of them. How much does James Paxton mean to that lineup and the team performance? And how are they going to react to this if he's literally going to be out three to four months? And we're also going to watch them closely because of the changes they're making in their athlete performance program. They're bringing two of the best people in the business to oversee that program that's very established. So we're going to see how that responds. And we're going to try to get Donovan and Eric on. They probably won't be able to comment too deeply on the program, but just on the philosophy. And I think that'll be a ton of fun. But when we talk about, maybe that should be our question of the day. Hey, let's make this. You know, I wasn't sure what the question of the day is going to be, but let's make this the crush question of the day. Things that you would never have believed could happen. Because this last week is, has just been crazy in sports. Let's go back to the Super Bowl. Who would have ever thought going into that fourth quarter or late in the third into the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are down, that they would score, what was it, 21 points in like six minutes for one of the greatest comebacks in Super Bowl history in the victory against an unbelievable 49ers team? Come on. just You wouldn't think that would happen. But what a game. That was fun to watch. It's great for baseball. Those play are great for football. Sorry. Uh, the players are great for the game. But that was one of the better Super Bowls that, that I've, I've seen in a long time. Really, really enjoyed it. But that comeback, just when you think the chips are down, and they've been doing it uh, through the whole playoffs, coming back from behind. Really, really interesting stuff. Who knew? And then, of course, the Battle of Alberta. Now, listen, if you're not an NHL fan, it doesn't matter. I think one of the greatest rivalries, and this could be another question of the day, what is the greatest rivalry in sport? The Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames in the NHL are truly one of the greatest rivalries in all of sport. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this. We'll, we're gonna, next week, this will be our question. So everybody think about it. What is your answer going to be? Because this will be the question of the week next week. We'll maybe have a few prizes to give away. But next week's question is going to be, what is the greatest rivalry in sport? But um, if you're not a hockey fan and you don't know who the Edmonton Oilers are or the Calgary Flames, just go Google this. Um, when, when these teams are good, when they're both competing and they're both competitive, there is nothing like it. And the last three meetings, though the, the Flames are, are ahead in terms of the victory column, the win column, um, the games have been absolutely tremendous, maybe barring the first one. The first one was kind of a blow on Calgary's half, but it was action-packed. And then Edmonton comes back. And then, you know, they start roughing it up on the ice. But the passion, you can't, you can't create that kind of passion in sport. That kind of rivalry passion. It's special. I think it's great for hockey. Heck, rivalries are great for sports. So I grew up in a small town, small farming town. Actually, I grew up in a small community between two kind of bigger towns. Three, four, five thousand people, six thousand people maybe now. And these towns were about 40 minutes apart. And man, you want to talk rivalries. This is awesome. And of course, I lived smack dab in the middle in this little farming community that had a little, you know, schoolhouse and, uh, of course, a hockey arena <laughs> and a curling rink, right? That was all that was there. And, and it was fantastic. So I got to play in the middle for our community, Linaria, in hockey and baseball. But I also played for Westlock. The other community is called Barhead. And I had good friends over there as well. But when it came to sports, it was on, man. I'm talking full on. Anybody from those two communities, hey, let us know. You know what I'm talking about. There is nothing like that small-time rivalry, rivalries in sport. And it wasn't disrespectful, man. We played hard. 
And it was fun. We used to, I remember going uh, Friday nights over to the uh, Barhead Drive-In and the Westlock guys would be over there. It was just like the old days, right? Oh, man, so much fun. But rivalries are good for sport. And now that Edmonton is competing and Calgary is competing, this is great for the game of hockey. And regardless of, you know, what sport you're talking about, I challenge anybody out there to come up with a more powerful rivalry in professional sport than the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Name it. We're going to have that conversation next weekend. Today's question of the day, what are the things that you would just never think could happen? My low back, for example, right? Paxton's low back, for crying out loud. What the heck's going on? You know, when you take care of yourself, you're doing things right, you, you still mess yourself up. It's frustrating as all get up. But how about this? The Dodgers getting better. How do the Dodgers get better? Well, I'll tell you how. You get Mookie Betts from the Red Sox. Are you kidding me? And then another thing you would never think would happen, how do the Red Sox let Mookie Betts go? He is like the Derek Jeter of the Red Sox. He's like the Jason Veritek, the modern-day Jason Veritek of the Boston Red Sox. He's the Fenway kid. I honestly never thought I would see Mookie Betts leave Boston. And actually, I was having a conversation, this very conversation, with the uh, firing of Alex Cora and all the changes that are going on in Boston. And Boston, by the way, has one of the great up-and-coming pitching coaches. Dave Bush is there now taking over the pitching. Smart, oh, and good. And he just recently was playing. But the pitching in Boston is going to be well taken care of now. I know Dave very well, and Boston will be another team to watch simply because of Dave's influence. But now, because Cora's gone, is this kind of Boston going, hey, man, holy cow, Cora's gone. We got to rethink things. Mookie's a free agent next year. He's shooting for $400 million. Maybe this is time to make the move. I just didn't think this would happen. Do you guys agree with me? Baseball fans out there, do you agree with me? The Dodgers get Mookie Betts and David Price from the Red Sox in a three-team deal that included, of course, Dodgers, Boston, and Minnesota Twins on the other side. But just think of the money that they're talking about around this. Mookie Betts' uh, salary for 2020 is $27 million. And then he's a free agent. Of course, he's shooting for $400 million. And then you get the trade done, and the Dodgers have to take Price, who has three years left on his contract for $96 million. Price for the Dodgers is probably going to replace Ryu, who went to the Blue Jays for a four-year, $80 million contract. Big, big money in there. It's great work if you can get it, right? We always say that joking around in the show. Well, that's what it's all about. Part of it is just setting yourself up right. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go over my presentation that I'll be doing here in Mission with the Sport Council, talking about specialization in sport and how you go about raising potential, the long game of maximizing sport performance. Regardless of your sport, there's fundamentals. Let's talk about that next. And then how about this? We're talking baseball already. Pitchers and catchers report in, what, less than two weeks? So why don't we go to the presentation and my talk that I'm going to be having at the uh, BC Minor Baseball Coaches Conference. Athlete development for player performance. How coaches and this could be applied to almost any sport. Some of the information here, uh, we'll use sort of baseball as our platform, how coaches can go about organizing their practices and things you can do on a daily and weekly basis to increase the athleticism to make your players or help your players become more coachable. 
That's coming up later in the show. And I want to go back and revisit last week's conversation with the performance nutrition director of the Oakland Raiders, Ricky Ng. Some really good things out of there and some questions from our audience that I thought were really, really smart. We'll answer those in the final segment. So stick around, everybody. we got a fantastic conversation coming up right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for sticking around over the break. This is Jeff Kershell here along with the Con Man, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, reach out to us. Questions, comments, smart remarks, or listen, if you have a topic or something you'd like us to investigate in, or if you need some help with your athletes or with some strategies, let us know. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email um, we answer every single message that we get, and if we don't personally have the answer to help you out, I can guarantee we know somebody that has the answer. So reach out to us. And by the way, you know, we've taken some of your ideas and thoughts and emails, and uh, we've created uh, dedicated segments, even entire episodes uh, to those emails, because uh, think about it. If you have a question or something you're wondering about, imagine how many other people probably have that same question. And that's kind of what the show is all about, right? Get us all thinking about things we might not normally think about. And honest to goodness, you know how it is. You kind of get caught up in your mindset. You get caught up you know, in your world. We do too. I do. I personally do. And that's why I try to read as much as I can. I love the TED Talks. I watch TED Talks. But most importantly, I like talking to people. I like talking to people in sports. I like talking to people in every single sport at every single level. I like talking to the researchers and the scientists that are doing things that might not necessarily even revolve around sport. Like, for example, some of the things that are going on in the world of brain training, concussion rehab, okay, Alzheimer's and dementia, trying to retrain and re-coordinate the brain. The brain's very, very plastic. We're very trainable if we know what to do. That is very, very important work, and it's creeping its way into sport. We're training the brain now. And again, you, you know, if you listen to the show, I truly believe that the two biggest areas that are left wide open for human potential lie in the area of technology, Certainly technology in equipment, and we're seeing some very cool things. Take a couple of our conversations from the last two weeks revolving around hockey. The new Bauer Nexus Advantage stick, it's a five-sided stick. It's got a hole in the blade. They're customizing it. It's fantastic. It's a huge leap forward. Sticks in hockey, who knew? How about the skates, the interchangeable blades, the custom sharpening that we're seeing? What's going on with bats and gloves in baseball, the helmets in football and contact sports, the shoes in soccer, the swimsuits in swimming? Technology is pushing it forward, but most importantly for me, the technology that's allowing us to see and understand what's going on with the brain, oh my goodness, is creating doorways into one of the greatest areas the greatest areas of potential for tapping into the next level of human performance. And that's the mind. Yes, we have psychology down. Listen, we're at a biological ceiling, people faster, higher, stronger, more powerful. We know about the body. We know about the nervous system. We know about cellular structure. We know about training stresses. We know about the fascia. We know about the nervous system, but we don't really understand the brain yet. Recovery, regeneration, the importance of sleep. We got it. When you put it all together, listen, then, then you're tapping into your potential. 
Anything short of that, you're, you're messing around a little bit. You're probably doing some good things. But when you get the whole picture together, man, I'm telling you, it opens up, it opens up doorways of opportunity, not just windows, doors of opportunity. But it has to be done in the right sequence at the right times. And you have to recognize this. And that's why today's conversation, I think, is so important. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on our other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, search out Crush Performance, and we'll hook you up there. We're going to be adding to every one of those platforms here in 2020. It's going to be a big, big year for us. And, of course, with the launch of the KP Sport Drink, uh, baseball is our first product. We spent 15 years researching and trying to figure this drink out because I wanted better options for my players. That's how this all started. This didn't start that drink did not start. KP Sport, what's your game? KP Sport, WYG.com. That did not start because we wanted to sell a product. That all started because I was looking for better options for my players because what was out there just wasn't good enough. And listen, I know it's uh, 17 years later now. It's too, too late for the guys that were there you know, back in those days, but um, they're still around. I still talk to those guys, and now hopefully their kids will get the advantage of this. And, um, you know, that's just creating tools, creating tools and understanding what we need to boost and push performance forward. That's part of the technology, I guess, part of the technology, but, you know, fueling the body properly, rest, recovery, sleep. It's all so important, but the brain, the brain, there's so much potential there and the technology that's now allowing us to understand, see what's happening in the brain real time, but also that's allowing us to help our athletes train their brains, their emotions, their focus, controlling their body temperatures, all this stuff, heart rate variability, breathing, deep stomach breathing. And what we learned in the development of this drink, just in terms of fueling the brain properly, oh my gosh, so, so important, but big time. Big time. So we're, again, this is going to be a great, great year. And as I mentioned, this weekend, I will be presenting out in the Vancouver area a couple really big presentations. I'll be presenting for the Mission Sport Council. It's just a fantastic group of people that really care about sport and development. They're looking. And again, these are people that are just looking for answers. So we're going to get out there and we're just going to share ideas. It's going to be a three-hour presentation. Um, we're going to go over some of it now because I, I, you know, we had some people write saying that they can't make it. They apologized. And they're wondering if they could get the information. And I promised them that I would talk about it on this show. We're going to sort of lay it out. And I think it'll be a great conversation. Let, let me know what you think. Please write to me. Let me know what you think of the information we're going to be presenting out there. You can get to us, info at crushperformance.com. Um, but, but this sharing of ideas is going to be great. And the Mission Sport Council, this is going to be every sport. There's going to be a few hundred people there. And we're really going to look to change sport and athlete development in that area. The title of the presentation is going to be Raising Potential, The Long Game of Maximizing Sport Performance. It's going to be broken into a couple of segments. We're going to start off talking about athlete development, the long game. I'm going to talk about long-term athlete development, the downside of specialization, and why kids play. Amanda Visick, hey, go back and listen to the podcast. Go to crushperformance.com. Get that podcast. If you're a parent, coach, or even a young athlete, you want to listen to that interview with Amanda Visick, or you can go to our YouTube channel. We've got a great little um, um, cartoon um, a crush report there of our talk with Amanda Visick. Just really good stuff and why coaches are so important. Then we're going to be talking about the top priorities for athlete development. We're going to lay those out here, but if you listen to the show, you know what our priorities are. 
And it has nothing to do with sport performance. And you've heard me say this before. Again, if I could run for king of sport, <laughs> you know, and I joke about this all the time, but seriously, I would change a lot of things in our developmental programs, way less competition, way more practice and skills. It would be better for the kids. It would be better in the long run for competition, but we'd keep kids in sport. Kids would have more fun. Competition's important. Don't get me wrong. That's the outcome. That's the end game for sure. And it's fun. Nothing better than putting your skills to use, but it's also, it's also fun and maybe even more fun. At least it was for me getting better, getting better and then go playing. It's really, really hard to get better, especially in the early ages of development. It's really hard to get better if you only play the game. And then we're going to have a breakout session. I'm actually going to take the coaches and the administrators and the parents and everybody who's there in mission, and we're going to go through a movement period. We're going to go through a movement teaching period. And it's going to be designed to be really functional in your daily, weekly practices, Simply changing your warm up, how you talk and what you do in your warm up can increase athleticism at every level of sport. So now your players are not just becoming better athletes, they're more coachable as a players. And it doesn't matter what sport you're in. Man, if we take this mindset, things are going to get pretty powerful. And then later in the weekend, I'm going to be over with the, uh, um, the BC minor baseball coaches conference. This is a fantastic event and the speakers they have there. I'm telling you, man, you know, they get three or 400, you know, coaches there every year from the lower mainland area. But man, I- I've been there the last few years and I would go just as a coach and a sports scientist to listen to these coaches, these people, and these administrators, uh, uh, talk about developing the game of baseball. And I know this happens in, in hockey. I've been to a few spoken at a few, this happens in football, spoken at a few. It's really great stuff. We need more of these conversations. So, uh, this weekend, just to give you a little overview of what's going to be happening. And, you know, again, things to think about when we look at the long game of, athlete development. I guess the question comes down and the initial question that we have to pose is what is the purpose of youth sport? What's the purpose of developmental sport? Why do we want our kids involved? And let me tell you, if it's to win, we've got to, we've got to rethink our priorities because the goal of developmental sport cannot be to win. Winning is not in your control. It is so out of your control. It's crazy. And, you know, one of the things we talk about with every one of our athletes, whether it's my daughter's, you know, U16 soccer team or whether it's our professional athletes is you have to understand and identify the things that are in your control and you have to forget about the other crap. You can't think about it. And so we're going to start the conversation off with that simple question. What is the purpose of youth sport? And then I'm going to follow that up with a very important question that I'm incredibly passionate about. And the question goes like this to every coach, to every parent out there, to every sport administrator, to every facility owner and, and uh, parent and fan, could we be destroying more talent and potential than we're creating? If you, if you look at today's landscape, injuries are at an all time high dropout rates are at an all time high. We're, we're, we're in a sport crisis here, okay? 70% of children are dropping out of organized sport by the age of 13. And that's by a numbers that came to us through the National Alliance of Sport. So by the age of 13, 70% of kids are dropping out of organized sport. They're not having fun anymore. They're not enjoying it. They're injured. They're burnt out. And when you look at some of the data coming out of our uh, sports medicine clinics and the, the surgeons who are, you know, looking after these kids and the number of surgeries we're now seeing in 
athletes below the age of 14, it's astronomical. In one study that we looked at, injuries on the rise at every level of a sport, um, a doctor who works in youth sport five, five years ago had 1,500 pediatric injuries through his clinic and 150 surgeries. So, you know, of kids 14 and under. Uh, they had 1,500 injuries come through their clinic and 150 surgeries. Last year, five years later, 6,000 injuries, 400 surgeries. Half of those, half of those surgeries were under the age of 14. Do you know what the fastest growing orthopedic surgery in the United States is right now? I don't have the data for Canada. It's Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery under the age of 12 years of age. And for a lot of these young athletes who are just overthrowing, they're mismanaged, they're overcompeting, they're playing year round, the downside of specialization, especially in baseball for this one, you know, um, but we're seeing, we're seeing not just the ulnar collateral ligament breaking down, but because the ligament's so healthy at these young ages, it's actually pulling off the bone. It's pulling the bone apart. So now they have to tack down the bone rather than repair the ligament. I don't know if that's better or worse, but, but either way, we're, we're hurting kids. And then the conversation is going to quickly turn uh, in mission this weekend to why kids play. If we can understand why kids play, uh, I think we can go about our business with purpose and the right direction. And this goes back to the great research done by Amanda Visick, uh, the fun integration theory. And her and her group from George Washington University developed uh, an incredible project called Fun Maps. They looked at 81 fun factors. So they went out and interviewed the kids from the mouths of the babes themselves. Why are you playing the game? Why? Why are you playing the game? And, and then it's fascinating. And of course, Amanda was on our show and you can go back and listen to that podcast. I encourage you. I mentioned it already, but it's worth it's worth a listen, because if you look at why kids play sport, it's obvious. Think back to when you were a kid. Think about right now why you do anything that you like to do, that you choose to do, because it's fun. Okay, to do something I'm good at, to improve my skills, to stay in shape and to get exercise. The top five reasons. Winning, by the way, didn't just not make the top 10. It barely made the top 50 of the 81 fun factors that were determined by the youth they interviewed in the Fun Maps project. Winning was number 48. Number 48. So now you guys got to think if your program is revolved or revolving around a focus on winning, man, it's just not going to connect. It may connect for a little bit because winning is fun. But listen, winning is an outcome. It's an outcome of a really good process we put in place. So we're looking at why kids quit. And we know that we talked about it. They're just not having fun anymore. They're injured. But the real big conversation that we're going to try to have this weekend is specialization. Getting into one sport too early. And there's lots of reasons this might happen. You know, um, resources. You know, if you're a single parent, for example, it's really tough to run your kids around. Um, um, the economy of it now, m you know, minor league sport, it is, it's, a, it's an industry now. Youth sport in 2017 generated over $15 billion in North America, more than any of the professional sports. And this has a lot to do with the, you know, the travel teams, the academies, the year round programming that we're seeing now. And some of these programs get absolutely angry with the kids if they want to play another sport. It should be a crime. 
It should be a crime to prevent a young athlete from playing multiple sports. Listen, we're going to get into that, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you the numbers and how important it is to have your athletes play multiple sports through their developmental ages right after this. Okay, we're going to continue this incredibly serious conversation, and we'll get into some fun stuff as well. It's actually all fun. We're talking about helping kids get better. That's fun. Uh, but we're going to get into um, you know the mounting concerns around specialization, and I'm just going to lay out the numbers of how powerful specialization is if you want to be successful in sport. That's coming up after this on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for sticking around over that quick break. I am Jeff Grishel. That's the con man right there. And we are your weekly source for performance information. If you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info Crush Performance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. All right, let's continue on. Our text question of the day, or our question of the day, came out of the Yankees losing Paxton for three to four months. He has come down with a low back injury. He actually had a surgery on his low back and it's not a major major surgery but it's going to keep him out of the rotation for at least three to four months pitchers and catchers report here in two weeks so it's quite a late bump in the road for the new york yankees and he'll also give us a good idea of how tough it is to replace those guys at the top of the game and just when you didn't think something could go wrong because the yankees have momentum they had a great season last season they're building on it um the team and roster looks strong. They're making some changes internally. They did have injuries last year, and they still performed great. They're making some massive changes on their performance team. They've uh, hired Eric Cressy and Donovan Santez from the Blue Jays to come in and oversee their player performance and player health programs. That's going to be fun to watch, to see what an impact those guys have behind the scenes. It's really, really important. It's such a big, big part of the game now, staying healthy, being able to perform. And that kind of rolls right into our question of the day. Paxton, listen, it's never a good time to get injured, but this is really, really bad timing for the Yankees. We're going to see how it impacts them and our question of the day things that you would never believe could happen and again the low back i have a low back problem i've had it here for about three or four months i thought i could tackle it myself but i'm going to get help you know i kind of know what i'm doing here as well uh, but this is a little serious i think and damn it you know as you get a little older um, these things start to happen. And even if you take care of yourself, things are going to happen. You just have to deal with it the right way. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, but things that you could never think happen. I've never had back problems before. Never had back. I've never had really any major injury other than my Achilles. And if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, we were on CTV on the news and we were taking through the PRP injections. The PRP really, really worked for me. It really did. And we sort of documented that and we talked to the doctors and talked about the science of uh, platelet-rich plasma injections. And it did work for me, especially for the Achilles. That's kind of right in the wheelhouse of what that treatment is all about. Um, but then we started talking about some of the changes we're seeing here in Major League Baseball in terms of the trades. Mookie Betts leaving Boston, it's one of the things I just never would believe could happen. So what are some of the things in sports that happened that you just really didn't think could ever happen? Trading Gretzky, that could be one, you know, LeBron leaving Cleveland, coming back to Cleveland, then leaving Cleveland. That might be one. Kawhi Leonard leaving the championship team in Toronto. 
I don't know. There's so many examples that we could think of. Let, let us have them. Crushperformance.com is the website. And to continue on our discussion right along those lines, um, looking at elite athletes and how those guys get there, they've made themselves special. Things have happened for them over time. And if you're just tuning in, I am away in Vancouver area this weekend giving two really important presentations, one to the Mission Sport Council, where I will be talking about raising potential, the long game of maximizing sport performance, talking about you know, athlete development, the long-term athlete development programs, the downside of early specialization, and why kids play. We talked about that in the last segment. We're going to talk about the top priorities for athlete development. If you listen to the show, you know what my top priorities are. We're going to get to those in a second. And then I'm going to do a breakout session with all the coaches, administrators, parents, and athletes that are there. I'm going to take them and teach them about movement. I'm going to teach them how to maximize athlete movement. And the whole idea is to create better athletes so the coaches can coach better players or player performance to a new level. And that's going to be the actual title of my presentation later this weekend at the uh, BC minor baseball coaches uh, conference. This is a fantastic event. Um, There's going to be a few hundred coaches there and a bunch of young players. And we're just going to talk shop. And my presentation is going to be about, Hey, if you really want to help your athletes maximize their performance, regardless of their age, listen, regardless of their age, and decrease their risk of injury, but increase their coachability and their playing potential, you have to address the athlete in your weekly practice plans. And I don't care if you're practicing once a week, twice a week, or if you're playing once a week or twice a week. If all you do is alter your warm-up a little bit, you can really, really increase the athleticism and ultimately the coachability of your players. If we can give our coaches at every single level better, more well-rounded athletes, regardless of the sport, football, hockey, swimming, volleyball, badminton, squash, tennis, it doesn't matter, the sport if we can develop better athletes, especially through those critical years, you can create better players. That's just how it works. Unfortunately, we're backwards. We play and play and play and play. And our skill levels are dropping. Dropout rates are at an all-time high. Injury rates at every single level of sport are at all-time high, despite everything that we know. What is wrong with this picture? Probably, in my opinion, specialization and overcompetition. Early specialization which is focusing on on one sport before the age of 12, let's say. 12, some studies and some research points to 10 sort of being that critical age where you can sort of hone in. But I say 12. And all the data out there points to the fact that the longer you can participate in multiple sports, the better. Stay in multiple sports as long as you possibly can. Now, there are those early specialization sports, maybe figure skating, maybe diving, maybe dancing. There might be a couple others. Diving maybe where you could specialize a little earlier and even some sports lend themselves well to specialization like like running or sprinting okay i you know the, though there's certainly benefits to playing other sports uh, you probably could still could reach a fairly high level specialized in some of those sports but there's no question that the benefits of diversity and playing multiple sports early on go well beyond performance even just from a personality standpoint if you're honed in and locked in on one sport you don't know what you're missing and parents and coaches you don't know if that athlete might be better suited for an individual sport as opposed to a team sport or maybe a different team sport or how playing other sports might actually enhance performance in the sport that the athlete chooses to love and chase down as they get older. Here are the numbers. If you don't believe me, 
just listen to the numbers. And these are the numbers that, that are out there. You can Google and find this anywhere, but you know, we just happen to go talk to the researchers that are doing it. But when we look at the power of multi-sport, if we look at um, a, a real interesting study that was done in 2019 in the Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine, an analysis of sports specialization in the NCAA, to give you an idea, all right, looking at some of the best developing athletes on the planet, getting a college scholarship is a big dream and a huge stepping stone for a lot of athletes. Well, in this study from uh, 2019, 94.7% percent of NCAA athletes were multi-sport athletes. Listen to me, 94.7. And if you think that specializing early helps you beat those odds, it doesn't. 94.7% of NCAA athletes were multi-sport athletes. And what does that mean? Well, 45% of NCAA athletes played multiple sports up to the age of 16 years of age. Team sports, Athletes specialized around 15 and a half years, individual sports a little bit earlier. Athletes specialized around 14. 17.4% specialized at the age of 12 or younger. So if you want to specialize early, yeah, the odds aren't great. Specializing early. For the athletes that specialized at the age of 12 or younger, and 12 again, as I mentioned, is kind of like my cutoff. Um, 17.4% of all collegiate athletes specialized early before the age of 12. 94.7 were multi-sport athletes up to 15, 16 years of age. Right there is what other numbers do you need? If you look at Ohio State's recruiting from what year is this? 2017, Urban Meyer, okay? In his Ohio State football recruiting class for that particular year, 42 of the 47 recruits that year played multiple sports in high school. Only five specialized in football. Only five recruits out of the 47 that year only played football in high school. Every other one of them, 42 other players that recruited, that were recruited by Ohio State football, one of the best programs in the NCAA, were multi-sport athletes. And how about this? In the last NFL draft, of the 32 first-round draft picks, 29 were multi-sport athletes through high school. 29 out of 32 of the top NFL draft picks were multi-sport athletes. I don't know what else you need to hear. Early specialization doesn't work. And again, it's a long game. It really truly is. You got to play as many sports as possible early on. It's going to help them in the sport that they choose to love down the road. There's no doubt about that. We know this for a fact. So playing multiple sports is really important. And then you have to understand the process of development. It is a long game and there's windows of opportunity. And we're going to share this at the baseball conference this weekend. And with all the good people in mission, um, you look at something called the peak height velocity curve and you can Google this right now. If you're near a computer, Google it peak height velocity, PHV. And there's a great graph that has females and the long-term picture of development for female athletes. And then below that in blue, it's sort of the long-term development of male athletes based on chronological age and developmental age and all the things that happen as athletes mature. And here's something we really need to start thinking about in sport that I don't see being considered that often, especially in the throwing sports. Listen, where the injury rates are really high. Listen, the overuse injuries in basketball right now, we talked about this in a show late last year, the number of injuries in basketball rivals. And if it's not even you know, more concerning than what we're seeing in baseball, but we're seeing it in 
soccer as well now, especially with the concussions. Volleyball is one of the uh, sports that has the highest rates of concussions, but also in terms of overuse because of the jumping, especially these kids that play year round early. They're they're broken. We're literally breaking our kids. And if you look at the developmental windows, there's windows of development that if your athlete doesn't experience the right things at the right time in development, it's gone. And this is where we talk about raising the ceiling of potential. If you want to raise your athlete's ceiling of potential, it makes sense to think that specialization, getting in on one sport and honing in would give them an advantage. And it does a very short term advantage. If you think about how old they're going to be when they get their college scholarship or when they make the varsity team in high school or when they sign their first pro contract or hit the tour, if they decide to chase sport that far, how old are they going to be and how many years do they have? Well, here's what you need to know. There's windows of opportunity. And if we just sort of look at males and females in the same, through the same um, glass right now, you know, early in development between ages five, six, seven, and eight, you know, you have to work on suppleness, coordination, you know, getting a feel for accelerating, decelerating, changing of directions, catching, throwing, doing all these crazy things. And that is where speed happens. Run, run, six, seven, eight years of age. Just run. It doesn't have to be programmed. Tag, tag. You know, I remember getting chased by the girls or, you know, chasing, playing tag, chasing, the, chasing my buddies around. You know, you can run. When you need to run, you can run. Oh, yeah. Especially when, you know, the girls are trying to chase you down or the boys are trying to chase you down or you're just out with your pals running around, playing tag. Run, just run. That's where the first window of speed happens. And listen, if you don't run, if you don't really run, and I'm not talking about training speed. I'm not talking about running school here. I'm talking about just running fast. That's where it happens. But then right after that, if that's established, you're in good shape, suppleness, getting a feel, um, change of direction, spatial awareness, catching, throwing, all those really important skills that happen early on as the nervous system starting to come together and the brain starting to develop. You need to develop speed. That's the first window for speed. And then through 8, 9, 10, and 11. Listen, this is the most important group of athletes on the planet. This is where skill acquisition happens. And then 11, 12, 13, 14, what happens? A very, very important time in an athlete's development. That's where fast growth happens. The bones start getting longer. The muscles can't keep up. The nervous system can't keep up. Athletes are at high, high risk for injury when they start going through their peak height velocity. And it's one of the times where maybe they're outgrowing their peers or they're trying to keep up with their peers. They're at the highest risk for injury. It's a very high risk injury period for an athlete. We have to be aware of that. And that's why we do wingspan measurements on all of our athletes. We do it two or three months from the ages of 11 right up to the age of 16. After that, you know, there's a couple other windows in there we don't have time to go through today. But after that curve is over, once they've reached their peak height, now you can get after it. Speed, another speed window happens. You start working on stamina and cardio is really, really important. And then strength for boys, strength, 16, 17, 18. You don't need to be in the weight room before then. You don't. We'll pick up this conversation tomorrow, but that's a disaster. We just mishandle our athletes. So anyway, that gives it kind of an overview of what we're going to be talking about out in mission uh, this weekend. And then over with the BC minor baseball coaching conference, we're going to be talking about better athletes for better players and how you can modify your weekly practices and even the warmups for your games to increase athleticism. If that's the only time you have your athletes, you can do it five, 10 minutes. It's magic stuff. And it's a ton of fun as well. And the players 
will love it. I guarantee it. Even our pro guys love it because getting better is fun. Anyway, you guys, listen, we're out of time. We're over time. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Um, I'll give you an update on how the weekend goes next week. Next week, we're going to be talking uh, with the National Strength and Conditioning Association, and we're going to talk about velocity-based training. We're going to get a little science-y, but it's incredibly fun stuff when it comes to athlete development. That's coming up next week on Crush Performance. Have a good week, everybody. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a place for my head quick fix on Radio Influence. You know, I, I've said this before, you know, doing what we're doing isn't easy. You know, doing what we're doing, exposing ourselves, putting ourselves out there. You know, I, I said this on, on my social media video earlier this week. You know, putting ourselves out there, all that does is open us up for criticism. Yep. Judgment. Judgment. Yeah. You know, the, the snide comments. The why are you living in the past? The you know why are you still dealing with this? Get over it. Why are you seeking attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you don't get it. No, that and that's not who we're trying to reach anyway. So whatever. Right. That's that's the people that, that can't relate and don't have a story to tell anyway, and have their have their own insecurities. Right. And, and at the end of the day, the way I look at it, everybody has a story. Yeah. Everybody has a story, and that's you know the future of the podcast. That's what what I want to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear, you know, the battles you've had, the battles you're having, you know, overcoming them, how you're dealing with them. You know, at the end of the day, Brandon and I are just a conduit for you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make this as much your podcast as it is ours. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 